Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. So this, uh, this month, a long-awaited uh, movie comes out, and I hope that uh, many of you will get a chance to watch it, but it's one of our family favorites, uh, The Incredibles. The Incredibles. How many of you are going to go see The Incredibles this way? Yeah, good, good chunk of you. How many of you really don't care? Uh, don't do that. So, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, so every summer there's typically uh, superhero movies. There's typically uh, blockbusters that kind of come out. We've been blessed uh, early with uh, with Wakanda uh, and, and um, all of that. So I, I I did this to to a brother, a friend that I genuinely know. So I'm not being a, I'm not culturally appropriating. I don't believe. But uh, but I, I walked up to a friend who who had a who had a shirt on and I and I just did this. But he he's he's they were two big black friends of mine, and uh, so I just went up like this and I just kind of stunned them for a second. And they were like, "Nah, you're good." So so I felt good. So we, we that was a moment there. But we but we uh, but anyhow. So so <laughs> we've been blessed by by some of this kind of kicking off early summer. But uh, this month, I just figure in the middle of the, the the summer season, one of the things that you're always seeing on TV advertisements or here at the movies is uh, is the idea of uh, superheroes. And um, so I want to take this month and I want to really talk about uh, with the, from the scriptures. I want to talk about who you are in Christ, who, who you really are. And uh, so part of that is understanding the superhero in you, that when every single person in this room is, uh, is surrendered over to Jesus, you're not just dying to die. You're dying to be raised anew. You're dying to be raised anew in Christ. You're dying to be raised anew in Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, I heard an expression from, from an old-time pastor who said, you're invincible until God says that you're not. And so I'm like, man, that's a good way to put it, right? There's going to be a day when he calls me home. But up until then, I'm invincible. Like, and so in the meantime, live with passion, live with zeal, live with joy. And, uh, and so that's what we want to talk about this month is the superhero in you. But to get there, we have to understand there are two ways, two typical options that many of us follow. Uh, one of those is we wear the masks pretending to be our aspiration, uh, but not our reality. We, we pretend to wear masks to be our aspirations or to be what other people want us to be. And so we, 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 we cover up with a mask and, and we try to be someone. But just like somebody throwing on a Spider-Man mask or just somebody throwing on a Batman mask, it doesn't mean that you're it. It just means that you're wearing a mask. And so many of us, what I've found uh, is that many of us will wear the mask without believing in the power. The scripture describes it as somebody who has the form of godliness, but denies the power thereof. Having the form of godliness, but denies the power. Meaning that we, we put on pretense, we put on appearances, we put on how we want people to perceive us, how you are perceived is how you are received. And so as a result, people will put on a big front to be able to, to, to get in or to be able to have somebody love them or like them. And as a consequence, on the inside, you die slowly every day when you know that you're wearing a mask. Secondly, we don't, uh, we don't realize the power that's actually found in our reality. So maybe you're not a person that wears a mask all that much, 
But the reality is you kind of walk through life and you don't realize the power that's available to you. You're kind of just walking through blind. Just like almost every superhero movie you see, you, there's this time in the introduction of the character where they're figuring out what their gifts are, where they're figuring out what their strengths are. And, and up until that time, they had the abilities, most of them, but, but they didn't use them. And as Christians, uh, I find that Christ followers, we have the ability to do so much more. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you. That same Holy Spirit power. The, the power that, that just told the world, just spoke the world into existence. That same power. The power that um, raised Lazarus from the dead. That same power. The same Holy Spirit power that, that separates the Red Sea. The same Holy Spirit power that miracle after miracle after miracle are performed in the Bible. It's that God who says, listen, if you will lay down your life and allow me to live through you, then that same power can be revealed. And it might not be through giant waves. It might not be that a person comes back to life. But you know what it is? It might be that a little church in Baltimore is able to give life to thousands of people in Africa because through the Holy Spirit's power and through quelching the, the fleshly side, we sacrifice together and all of a sudden we see a miracle where, where God raises up hundreds of thousands of dollars to be a blessing to a people that these people don't even know. That is a miracle. That is a move of God through God working in and through us because it is a miracle for most of us to let go of a nickel. Amen? <laughs> it's a, so, so God will move through you if, if you allow him to do that. But many of us, we walk through this life not realizing the power that's inherently available to you. It's innate there. When you have the Spirit of God in you, you have the Spirit to defeat sin. You have the Spirit to, to defeat the, the enemy in your life. You have the Spirit to forgive. Which might be the biggest miracle of them all, right? So, so for all of us, we have to understand, like, wow, hold on here. I don't have to put on a mask. That doesn't need to be my life. But I also don't need to go through life kicking rocks with my head down. There's this other option. There's this way where I can, I can walk through life confidently, boldly, trusting in the power of God that's in me. The superhero in you. And so in the next few weeks, I want to, as we're coming off a sermon series about the Holy Spirit and who is the Holy Spirit, I want to walk you through that superhero in you for the next few weeks and just say, you know what? You are designed with a, a, a great, great, great amount of potential. And I want you to believe that. I want you over the next few weeks to really just embrace the idea that like, hey, I don't have to cover up. There might be stuff there that's not pretty. There might be stuff there that people don't like. But I don't have to cover up. I can step out, but I, I don't step out and just say, man, look how weak I am or broken I am or messed up I am. I can step out and say, no, I have the Spirit of God in me. I am a child of God. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a child of the King. I'm a prince. I'm a princess. I, I have the power of God available to me. And, and if I will trust and believe and know that His Word doesn't come back void and I will obey when it doesn't feel good, when I can't see His hand, I will trust His heart. When you do these things, you start to realize, wow, there's, there's, there's a power in me. There's, there's the superhero available to each one of us. By the way, The Incredibles comes out on June 15th. Let's go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. I want to break down this psalm with us today. Psalm 139. 
um, from 1 to 18. Also, again, it's on your Bible app if you want to go um, to Version or to the Bible app. And you can hit events and then open up to this location, click the button, and uh, the sermon notes will be available to you. Psalm 139 is where we're going to be today. And uh, I want to ask you, if you would, to read along with me. We'll read uh, piece by piece. Songs go through my head whenever I say phrases. Does that ever happen to you? And like, I'm, I have the urge right now to say, peace, bye. And like, I, I shouldn't do that. So here we go. Psalm 139, 1 through 6. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. Can you say searched me? Can you say known, known me? You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with how many of my ways? All my ways. God, you know me. You're so good. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot contain it. Just, just the psalmist is walking through this process of just realizing what does it mean to be known by an omnipotent God? What does it mean to be known by a God who knows the very thoughts in your head before you ever speak? And what does it mean to be known to the place to where your intentions, your very intentions are known by God? You're, it's, see, here's the deal. On earth, horizontal living, we can hide our intentions with people. This is where the masks come in. We, we can fake things. We can put on. What I've learned when I was in, um, growing up in the inner city, I realized that I actually appreciated people that were more blunt with me than, than I did people that hid their intentions. Because when people hide their intentions, you get real, real, real close and then realize all of a sudden there's a day where it all drops and you realize, no, I never liked you to begin with. And so, so people, even in a kind of a upper echelon or, or dominant culture, people can be hiding their intentions the whole time, putting on masks and making you feel something that's really not there. And so the scripture says, you know what? No, no, God knows even your intentions. And for a lot of church people, that could be a scary thought that, that God knows my intentions because we, we show up to church and maybe we give and maybe we show up at a service project. Maybe we're on a ministry team. Maybe we show up to a Bible study. But the, the intentions of the heart are known. The scripture says that he hems me in, that he's got my back and he's got my front, that he, that he knows the thoughts and the words before they even come out. And that kind of God, he says at the end of all of that, he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I can't contain it. Like, I don't have a place in my mind to be able to understand that I'm that deeply known. I try to remind you guys that love is, is, is to be known fully and to know the other person fully without fear of rejection. Genuine love means that you're fully known and you fully know them. And there's no fear of rejection, meaning that I, I know your worst spots and I know your brokenness and I know your emptiness and I know that, that, that black hole that's in the pit of your stomach. I know your fears. I know what you're worried about. But you know what? None of that matters. I love you. And so the psalmist just starts out and says, you know what? What do you think of before we even get to the, the superhero for how you're designed? Take off your mask. You're fully known. Take off your mask. You're fully known already. A lot of us, we would do well in our relationship with God to just simply really just, just buy into that principle. Just these few verses, if all you did this week was to say, okay, what would it mean for my walk with God if I genuinely believe that I'm fully known? What would I do different? 
how how would I pray differently? How how would I how would I treat others? See, many of us we have that cafeteria Christianity mentality. Remember in middle school, they had those those terrible, awful lunches that that everything styrofoam and it would all be separate, right? And so you'd go through the line and it'd be like green beans and potatoes, you know, and, and you go through. And so many of us, we have that way of living. Many of us, we kind of have our work and we kind of have our, our family life and we kind of have our friends over here. And, and then over here in the side corner in that small part of the tray, we, 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 have, we have God. And so what we do is we kind of say, well, to feel good, I got to, you know, I, I got to go get connected with God. And so we we go and we dip into God a little bit and we're over here and we're it's like we're dipping our nuggets in the sauce. And we're kind of like, oh, that's great. And, and then we go out and we approach other parts of our life as if they're separate from the fact that there is an all knowing, all loving God who is passionately pursuing us. And so when we approach people, all of a sudden, this is why the hypocrisy comes in. I use the expression that, that the church should be hypocrites because we're not arrived yet. We're not there yet. But we shouldn't be intentionally hypocritical. But the reason that we are sometimes, the Romans 7 stuff, the reason that we are is that we go out and we act in the flesh. We act like I'm just dealing with you. And we've got to remember, no, 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 bro. You're fully known. You're fully known. Like before you drop the axe on that person? <laughs> yeah. He knows you. And so self-righteousness begins to fall away when you realize that you're fully known by God. That pride, that envy, that jealousy, it's right up there with all the quote-unquote big sins. And so when we realize that, how do we care ourselves? We take off the mask. We say, you know what? I, I don't have to, to, to be fake and pretend. But here's where our culture's gone. Our culture's gone to the place to where we say, well, I don't have, I don't have to wear a mask anymore. And we take it off and, 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 and the, the sin and the stuff that Jesus had to die for comes out and we've, we've begun embracing it. And so it's like, I don't, I've taken off the mask, but here I am. It's who I, and we've got to get to a place to where it's not, I'm taking off the mask and then I'm going to Jesus to help clean that up. But we have to first start with taking off the mask. You have to quit pretending to be somebody you're not. You have to quit pretending to be someone that you aren't. You have to quit pretending to be holier than everybody around you. You have to quit pretending that, that Sundays are a little uh, side salad. And you have to start realizing, no, 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 he knows everything. And so that means that the way I talk to my coworker, that's worship. The way that I... I approach my job and how I handle my job, that's worship. How I, how I host people or don't in my home, that's worship. How I love my neighbor in my neighborhood is worship. Whether or not I will serve someone else, worship. How, how do I love the person that, that we don't ideologically agree on almost anything? Guess what? That's Say it with me. Worship. You see, and we've got to take off the mask and stop believing that our faith is, is secluded to Sunday. And we have to start realizing that every part of ourself is worship. Because why? We are known completely. Your God knows how you think about people. Your God knows how you talk about people. Your God knows. And some people, here's what I think. Some people become self-righteous because they say, well, it, I didn't tell her what I thought of her. Well, whoop-de-doo, good for you. 
you just sinned against God privately. Good for you, right? And we've kind of we've kind of put an esteem on things that should be just normal. Like the idea that 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 we look at people and well I didn't tell her what how about if we got to the place of spiritual maturity where other people didn't cause that to rise up in us where life wasn't a competition where what they were wearing didn't bother me where where I'm not looking out for flaws in others where I'm not looking for ways to break other people down what if it was just not that at least I didn't say it what if it was I really have stopped thinking that way. I've really asked God to work over my soul. And genuinely, when I bump up into people, I simply love them because they are a child made in the image of God. What if, when, what, what if my goal became, you've searched me and you know me, and I was okay with what Jesus found? What if that became a goal? You see, that's when we can take off the mask and let the Lord search us and seek a refinement, the refiner's fire, refining power to where we go and say, God, I, 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 want, I want what other people see to be the real me. And I want the real me to be a real reflection of you. Church, that should be your goal. We move on. In verse 7, it says this, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Sheol's a, a definition for, for hell or the underworld. If I take the wings of morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. The right hand was a, a place of honor. The, the, your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. I'm getting desperate. I'm running from this. I can't comprehend it. And I go and I say, I'll go find the darkest place. Surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness, look at this. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. If you're jotting notes, write this down. You are most valuable when you are most vulnerable. You are most valuable when you are most vulnerable. The authors of the movie, the screenwriters, they understand this principle. We always see our hero uh, in, in defeat somewhere during the movie. My suit got ripped. I have an emotional problem. The, the girl that I kissed hanging upside down all of a sudden He's mad at me, you know, like every time, every move. But you have this moment of vulnerability. And part of it is, uh, part of it is this vulnerability that, that attracts us to superheroes is because we're all not that super. And, and that vulnerability is refreshing to us because in, in our hearts, we all know, man, we're, we, we need to get to a place. I, I need to identify with the fact that you're broken. There's an old expression that still holds true, and it's that people don't care what you know till they know that you care. And people don't care what you know until they know that you care. You and I have to get to a place to where, where we say, you know what, before I tell them what I know, or before I give them uh, my, my, my side of things, what I need to do is give them love. I need to make sure that people know me first as someone who loves. I may not be known to them as someone who agrees with them all the time. 
But can I be known as someone of love? Can I, can I get there? But look at the vulnerabilities. He, he goes and he's like, hey, you know what? Where can I run from you? God, I can't run from anywhere. I, and it's a little bit creepy. It's kind of like, um, like he sees you when you're sleeping, the Santa Claus song. But, but no, when you think it through and you break it down on the surface, it's kind of like, where, how do I understand this? Where do I put this in my theology? But when you look at, when you look at it through, it's his vulnerabilities. The, the, the psalmist is saying like, man, this is wild. I'm fully known by you, God. And even if I was trying, listen, even if I was trying to not be known by you, you'd know me anyway. When I run to the darkness, it doesn't help. Because the darkness is, is just like light to you. How many of us, and you don't have to raise your hands, that'd be kind of embarrassing, and definitely don't point, that would just be rude, but how many of us would, would say, you know what? There's been seasons where I just didn't, I didn't really like who I was being. Or, and so I just decided, forget it. I'm going to run to the darkness. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go run into this and, and, and I don't care. And I'm mad at the world. And I've got this moment where everybody's getting two fingers on one on each hand. Right. And, and, and this is who I'll be. And, and we've run to the darkness. We run into this place to where we never would want to put on. We say, I take it off my mask. Here's who I am. And we do this. And in this moment of vulnerability, the psalmist just cries out and says, you know what? It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter, God, because I've tried. I've, I've tried to just go off and run into darkness. I've tried to run away from you. I've tried to hide. But you're always, you're always, always there. And you're always telling me you love me. And man, it drives me crazy. But this vulnerability, you know what it does? It opens you up to, to connection with other people. It opens it up to be used by God. It opens you up to this word that we need a lot more of called empathy. And when we're vulnerable and we understand that God fully knows us, every nook and cranny, He's got it. Like, I, I can't run from it. My, my thought life, my private life. See, a lot of preachers for a long time, especially in the West, have focused on the outward moral sins. And we focused on keeping institutions together and keeping appearances for the culture. And we focused on all that, even to the place to where we've turned off half the world because we've turned on, like, man, you guys are jerks. They're like, yeah, but we're jerks and holy. And it's like, no, you're an idiot. Like, stop it. So, so where we've got to get to, though, is we've got to get to leading with love. We've got to get to a place to where we say, you know what? I am fully known by God, even my thoughts. So in God's economy... I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. In God's economy, we both need a savior. And I want to meet you at the fact that that savior says that you're made in the image of God. And so you're an image bearer, a mago dei. That's who you are. And as a result of the fact that you are made in the image of God, I will find a way to love you. Now, I might not agree, but I'm going to love you. And those can be two different things. We live in a world where those can't be, and that's just idiotic to me. Um, my wife and I do not agree on toilet paper and toothpaste. If we can't do that after 20 years, like, like good night. Like, we have separate bottles of shampoo, separate bottles of toothpaste. Like, that's what happens when you get older. You just quit fighting. You're just like, I'll get you one, I'll get me one. Like, we can handle that. But, but here's the deal. When you first get married, it's like, oh, well, did she use the same one? No, we won't. We really won't. We'll, we'll ruin it for each other. So here's the deal. Get your own. But, but... But in all of that, listen, we just understand that, that I, agreement isn't, doesn't have to be the standard. It can't be. Because I'm not going to agree with everybody on anything. 
But here's the deal. What I can do is say, hey, I can be vulnerable. God completely knows me and he knows me as, uh, as a sinner. And you're a sinner and I'm a sinner and we both know the Savior and you're made in the image of God. So therefore, I can love you. I can love you. Vulnerability opens you up to empathy. Empathy is this idea of, of not just sympathy, like I feel bad for you. Empathy is I feel bad with you. Empathy is, is because I'm vulnerable and because that I know that I'm broken inside, empathy means I can walk with you through what you're going through because even if I haven't fully embraced or fully know, I want to get as close as I can and I want to hold your hand. There are things in this world that for many of you in this room, I will never fully, 100% be able to say that, that yes, I know exactly how you feel. No, I don't. But I can get as close to whatever, I could bring my human experience as close as, as possible. And I can reach across and I can determine I'm going to walk with you. That's empathy. Sympathy. That sucks. That's what sympathy is. Empathy. I'm going to walk with you. When you're vulnerable, you become more valuable. When you're vulnerable, you become more valuable. Verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am what? Fearfully and what else? Wonderfully made. What, are, what kind of works does he do? Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. If you're jotting notes today, I want you to know there's a superhero in you because you are a work and a wonder of God. You are a work and a wonder of God. I want you to understand that in spite of knowing everything about you, He also designed you intricately. You're a work of God. He makes masterpieces and He's made you. And as a consequence, you need to be a little more bold when you're walking through this life. You need to pick your chin up a little bit. You need to, to dust off your, your knees when you've fallen. And you need to realize that, wow, in spite of God knowing everything, I am made in the image of God. And He knew me even while I was being put together. Even while the cells were starting to form in my mother's womb, there was God. And the Scripture says that God in the middle of my cells being put together, that here was God. You formed me. You knit me. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame wasn't hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven. Your eyes. Verse, verse 16. Your eyes. Look at this. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. And I would be remiss, this is a moment you might not agree, and that's okay, but the Scriptures tells me that, that, that personhood happens before other people can see me. That while my cells are coming together, I have an identity that God is looking at. That I am on God's mind. And as a result, you celebrate that. You say, you know what, God? I, I, 
I was known even from then, before I even messed up. And then even after I mess up, I know. And even now, you know me. And you know me completely. And, and, and so we are, we are all made in the image of God and we are known by God from before we are born. And, and, and as we live this life, we're known by Him. And you know what? If love means that I know you fully and you know me fully, then I've got to do my part too by loving other people. And there's an expression that I think is fair with that, that, um, that folks say on the, the pro-abortion side of life. And they say, hey, you know what? You're not, you're not pro-life. You're pro-birth. And unfortunately for a lot of people, that rings true. And it bothers me. We've got to get to a place. It's not even in my notes. I just feel the passion to say it. We've got to get to a place to where we're pro-life. Right? And I believe that, that what that means is we look out for the orphan and widow. We, we, have, we have orphans in our child care right now. Because there are people in this church who have said, no, no, no I'm not just pro-birth, I'm pro-life. We, we have people who are sponsoring children who are genuine orphans in Kenya right now because we're not pro-birth, we're pro-life. There are people that are sacrificing month after month to send money overseas, the people that they don't even know because they're pro-life. Many of you have taken in children that weren't your own because you are pro-life. But, but apart from the expressions and the bumper stickers, can we just get to the place to where we say, you know what, I'm, I'm fully and wonderfully made by God. I can put my chest out. I can stick my chin up. I'm known by God. And I've been going through life and I've been living under the labels. You, you've been living under all kinds of labels. You've been living under the labels of, of the fact that you, oh, well, you were a mistake. My dad, for, for instance, me, my dad wasn't there. My mom went to Planned Parenthood. They couldn't find me. And as a result, uh, my mom decided to keep me. But, but in that whole process, knowing that, we say, okay, is that the label I'm going to live under? Or how about the label when you were in elementary school and somebody called you a name and you started to believe it or some uncle or some cousin? Or how about someone did something to you? They touched you and they did something inappropriate. What label are we living under? And I want to tell you today, there's a superhero in you. You were made in his image. He designed you from before birth. He knows every thought in your head. And he says, you know what? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are my masterpiece. That's who you are. Whatever label might be there that you, you, you jump under that, that, that bumper sticker, guess what? The ultimate label is that you need to live under is I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Another reason that you and I can live with love. Because just as you want to step in and claim that I am wonderfully made, guess what? Every human being is also fearfully and wonderfully made and they deserve for you to treat them that way. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. I feel like a Baptocostal. Here we go. Verse 16. I want to close with this. Verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them in the days that were formed before me. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than in the sand. I awake and I am still with you. If you're jotting notes, God has planned a powerful purpose for your life. God has planned a powerful purpose for your life. The scripture says that, that even before we exit the womb, this is both, here's, here's what I'm telling you, this is, this is an uncomfortable truth, but it's also a powerful truth. 
before we even exit the womb, God knows the number of days that we have. I, I told you this story before, but I was, I was uh, 25 years old and God had called me to start a church in Virginia and I went and there's this process you go through and they check you all out and stuff and they do like a spiritual colonoscopy, but you get on the other side of it and, and then you're ready. Well, in the middle of, of being checked out and everything and have these people, I had this one guy that was really just, try, just trying to be a jerk, honestly, just trying to be a jerk. And, and I think the power of being able to approve or disapprove like got to his head. And, and, and so he, he like said like, well, um, what if I don't approve you? What are you going to do next? I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, what are you going to do next? Like, if I turn you down today? I'm like, I'm not. God told me to go. Maybe we're confused. I really said this. I was like, I was like 25. And I would still say it today, but it's a good excuse. Like, oh, it's 15 years ago. But, <laughs> but no, I was just like, I, was like I, I, I think maybe you and I misunderstand the meaning of today's meeting. I was like, sir, I've already settled the fact that God's told me to do something. I was like, I'm just asking if you're ready to hang with me while we do it. I was like, you're coming into the meeting believing like you have this power to lift me up or put me down. Bro, God ain't on your door. Like that ain't the title you have. And he's already told me to go. And so, so in, that, in that process, in that process, when you understand that God has a plan for you, here's what I told the guy. I said, sir, he goes, listen, the most average pastor is 38 years old when they get their first church. I was like, bro, I ain't average. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. But I, but I did say, I said, you know how arrogant it would be to tell God that he's got to wait 13 years? I said, because the scripture tells me that every one of my days are already known by God. And when God tells me to do something, delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Why? Because he knows the number of my days. And as, as, as long as I know for sure that I heard from God and there's not selfish ambition, there's not pride built up, all this stuff, if I can get through all that and I, I know for a fact I heard from God, I need to go. I need to just do it. And so all these years later, God's had his hand. God has been blessing. And, and here's what I've realized. You know what? God has a plan and a powerful purpose for my life. The scripture says, your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. You know, today was formed for you. You know, tomorrow, Lord willing, is formed for you. You're not formed for the day. The day's been formed for you. Go do something. Go love. Go, love. go, go demonstrate grace. Go live out the character of God right where you are. Go be the superhero God designed you to be. This whole world right now is looking around and we're looking around for honest people. We're looking around for vulnerable people. We're looking around for people who will love us. We're looking around for people who, who will give us a hug even if we disagree. And guess who those people are supposed to be? The church. It's supposed to be the people of God that God has fully redeemed and restored and given new life he says, look, I know you completely. You're made in my image. You are not junk. You're a masterpiece. Go out and live the days that are formed for you. I have a plan. I have a purpose for you. You don't back down. You don't walk away. You march forward. You say, but I'm a sinner. Yeah, everybody's a sinner. Most of the people I used in the Bible were the worst of the sinners. And do you think that was by mistake? And I really believe God would tell you no. I use, I use Paul who was the first murderer of Christians to write two-thirds of the New Testament. 
I used Moses after he committed a murder so that he could free people. And that same Moses, he couldn't even talk. And then I used him. I said, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Grab, grab your boy and you can go over there and he'll do the talking. Guess who did all the talking? Moses. Because God, God's like, I, I, I don't want your excuses. I just want your life. I just, I just want you to believe in me. Here's the beautiful thing about faith. Christian faith. You don't even have to believe in you to take the next step. You just need to believe in the God in you. You might not believe in you yourself. But you've got to believe there's a superhero in you. And you're uniquely designed by God. You have a calling on your life. All the numbers of the days are worked out. You can't do anything about it either way. So quit worrying about that. What you need to worry about is being the person God designed you to be. Go out and, and be the one that shows Jesus' love to the world all around you. If you don't know Christ in this room, the Bible doesn't tell you to jump through a lot of hoops, a lot of religious ceremony. The Scripture says you admit that you're a sinner. You believe Christ died to pay the penalty for that sin. And then you confess Jesus is Lord of your life. Meaning you swap your sinful life for God's holiness. And when you do, you don't become holy, but the God in you is holy. And then what you do for the rest of your life is this thing called sanctification. You constantly go to God and say, God, what in me is not of you? And help me to get rid of that. What in me of, of, is not of you today? Help me to get rid of that. And, and we live out this life being sanctified, being freed from our sin, being, being all this, this yuck and garbage that the world piles on us, we let go of, and we allow God to live up and rise up in us and through us. And in doing so, we love everybody around us because we realize they're on this journey too. Whether they're a few steps back, my kids like to play the game of life when we go to Chili's. Whether they're at the beginning or whether they're in the middle or whether they're a little further along, what we can all do is realize, hey, you're on that journey too? Awesome. Awesome. How about we just, we just meet at love? I'll meet you there. But we don't agree on that. I don't care. Can we meet at love? Awesome. Let's meet there. And if God allows us and we sync up, then we'll see what God can do through it. But we're going to meet at love. Because I'm broken, you're broken, we all need a Savior. And His name is Jesus. Amen.